Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach. G'day, everybody, and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. My name is Emma Doyle, and I'm here with Paula Jones-Hunt, who's the resident HR specialist at Open Door Coaching, also the company that I work for. So I'm already so excited about this conversation that we're going to have. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And Paula Jones-Hunt is a senior human resource professional and workplace and business coach. She's worked with boards, directors, executives, managers, teams, leaders, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And she's passionate about all things to do with ad hoc coaching conversations, building HR teams to be able to thrive in the workplace of today. So, Paula, look, I'll kick it off straight away. Because you're an Aussie, I'm going to go down the question of pineapple on a pizza. You either love it or pineapple doesn't belong on a pizza. What's your take? I'm very happy with pineapple on my pizza. I know that it does polarise people, but I'm I'm okay with it on. I'm okay if it's not on, but yep. it's on. Okay. In that case, can you share with us a coaching moment that went really well and what might be a lesson or two? It was back when I was um, in-house HR and I was working for a heavy um, manufacturing organisation and I'm talking 95% blokes, um, dirty. It was just like, I mean, I really loved the environment, but it was just a really hard, tough environment and they'd never heard of coaching um, and in comes this little <laughs> whippet and they hadn't actually had many HR practitioners who were girls either so in comes this little girl with a little coaching background um and it took me a little while but I I there was this one moment where I was sitting in a, a conversation about an industrial relations issue and I had the general manager of operations who who suddenly asked this question out of nowhere like well what are the options that we have to move forward with this issue. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the question I've been asking them for, like, months <laughs> now. And it suddenly came out of his mouth. And then the um, general manager of industrial relations asked this question around, and what do we want the people to know once we've left this meeting? What are the key messages? And I was just like, I must be in the twilight zone. After months of asking these types of questions and using coaching questions, it had suddenly like come through in the, in the senior leaders and I just sat and I was just sitting there going oh my goodness it really works and it was that just amazing for me yeah and I just want to pick up on the the importance of senior leaders modeling coaching behaviors and modeling coaching questions uh, I really love that story. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. What about on the flip side? Can you think of a coaching moment that didn't go well? Uh, yes, there's one very clear for me. <laughs> um, and it was it was really because I had not sought permission before I started. So might have been a little bit gung-ho, love my coaching, just a, I'm a, a bit of a coaching nerd. And someone in a in a in the lunchroom had a was talking about an issue and I jumped in and started coaching them and 
their response, they didn't want to be coached. They didn't, they, it wasn't the right time for them. And um, it, it just made it really awkward and uncomfortable. And I, and I have never forgotten that seeking permission is one of those core competencies that you really have to get right. Mm, and what would you recommend for those that aren't familiar with seeking permission? You know, we have sports coaches as well. Can you elaborate a little bit more about like what, uh, what's, what do you mean by that? Is it a formal contract or what, what are your thoughts on that? Oh no, it's it's actually just more along the lines of making sure you're you're the you've got the right hat on for the right conversation. So sometimes friends and my husband is a perfect example. I actually just outright say to him, "Would you like Paula the wife, or Paula the HR specialist, or Paula the coach to answer this question for you, or to help you with this with what you're working on?" Um, and in the workplace, it's as simple as would you would you like some help with that, um, or would you would you like me to to workshop this with you, as opposed to, oh, I've got some great questions, I'll just jump in because someone might just be wanting to vent for that particular moment, and that's okay. And in my HR space, I used to ask managers directly, are, are you here because you need to have a a, a, a debrief conversation, or are you here? because you really want to work through it and, and work out what the way forward is. Yeah, yeah, when to wear, what hat, fantastic. What about a sliding doors moment? Yeah, the, the day I met Natalie Ashdown, the CEO of the Open Door Coaching Group, um, I was working in HR and I was looking at implementing a leadership program um, across an organisation and we wanted to introduce coaching and I actually thought I might have known what coaching was and I was very wrong. I had no idea. Um, and Natalie Ashdown walked through that door and it just changed the course of my HR career and my life um, because I suddenly I went and I did the Cert 4 in workplace and business coaching. I knew what coaching was then and then I added it into my HR toolkit and it made me such a better HR practitioner um, and it's helped me raise kids and all like it just infiltrated so that that moment for me was pretty special and now you're working at the organization I I love that let's a big shout out to Natalie Ashdown I am in the open door offices doing this interview with you um she also had such a huge impact on my career as well uh she's certainly somebody who lives and breathes the ethos of coaching and even what you know what I'm hearing as well now just in this in this conversation as we're getting started is that coaching is more common in the workplace isn't it it's more accepted in in the workplace and you know it's it's companies like open door coaching i mean yeah we we are giving it a shout out because we do think it is one of the best if you are considering a uh, doing your um, formalizing your coaching qualifications uh, we'd highly recommend it uh, it's what we have both even though we work for the company we both started as students of the company yeah so yes mm. and I took open door to a number of organizations that I worked for um, and it's funny because during COVID I was I was still frontline HR and it was extremely hard during that that period and I made some life changes and decided I wasn't going to work that hard and I wanted to spend more time with my kids um 
And I really decided too that I was only ever going to work for people that I really respected, which eliminated lots of different areas for me. And then Natalie appeared out of nowhere and we had this amazing conversation and here I am. So there's another pivot that happened and I, it's like the universe is just aligned and do the things that I love, which is talk about coaching and help students find their way to coaching and organisations, helping them build their leadership programs. So it's amazing. Uh, what about our guiding question? You have read the book, What Makes a Great Coach. It is our, uh, it is our holy grail question of coaching in one to a maximum of three words. What do you think makes a great coach? Uh, well, I've got three words, but I tend to put adjectives in front of everything, so I'm, <laughs> they're going to be slightly expanded. So I have great rapport, excellent listening, and then passion. Yeah, so great rapport. I think people, I, I think what you have to create is an environment where people feel extremely comfortable because you're asking them questions that they might not want to answer or that they might not have thought they needed to answer. So if you can't create a space where people feel safe, and I think that's what creating rapport really does, um, then you won't get people to go to the depth that they need to to really um, have impactful coaching. Um, excellent listening is the flip side of that, is that as you're listening to the person, you need to be looking looking for the cues and the the, the what they're not saying and what they and, and the what they are saying and matching those up so that you have that opportunity to ask the question that's going to be the most impactful. So the listening is really key in that space. Um, and the passion, because people can see whether you are passionate about what you do. And we see so many people who go to work and are not passionate about what they do. And it comes through in your work. So I think for coaches, it's so important to be passionate because then people can see that it it links in with the I'm doing the right thing because this person is passionate about it and that this person really wants to help me and it links back into that great rapport that that if, if the person feels safe and they can see your passion for coaching, you're going to get a greater outcome. Yeah, fantastic. The last question then is what is your question that ignites your curiosity? I'm also a HR nerd. There's no doubt about it. And I love the HR profession. I know we don't always get a good rap, but when it's done really well, it's amazing. I am always interested in how has coaching influenced the way or the person that you are today? So it how, how has it influenced what you're doing and how you, and how you have um, utilised it? for your own persona so it's always the what did you take back to the workplace or what wherever you are um and how are you implementing it what was working really well what doesn't work really well what could you know it's that genuine curiosity about what it looks like in action yeah i uh did some work recently with a school with middle school teachers and then i went back to the organization about two weeks later and asked them from the three-hour workshop, what have been some of the things that that really stuck? And two things that were a little off script actually have really stuck. So (laughs) they weren't necessarily the core of the the workshop, but interestingly, reframing and, you know, a mini grow model for short, sharp meetings was two things that, that have really stuck, which at the end of the day, sometimes as a coach, we, or even as a workshop facilitator, we go in with one 
thing in our head that we want everyone to take away and they take away something else. And, and again, it really doesn't matter as long as it's, it's aligned to, you know, to the things that you're talking about, which is coaching, which is making a difference in, in people's lives, isn't it? Yeah. So. Yeah, the way people contextualise things is amazing and um, it is moving from that if I tell you this piece of information, I just want you to do that piece of information to I'm giving you this piece of information and in an adult learning um, environment and then I'm asking you to add it to all the knowledge and experience and skill that you have and look at in my workspace what's going to be the most effective use for this and then adapting it as you go along I, I, I do. I, I am a little HR nerd, but that stuff is exciting to me. Mm, totally, totally. All right. Well, let's talk about ad hoc coaching conversations. What do you mean by it and when can we do them and can you give us some examples? You can have an ad hoc coaching conversation anytime you like. For me in the workplace, it's about breaking down that coaching is I'm having an executive coaching session to how do I use coaching tools and techniques in every conversation that I'm having? So even when you're sitting in a meeting and you get stuck, what coaching question can you pull out that changes the landscape? So if you're looking at, oh, this isn't going to work, and if you use a great reframe question that you were talking about, so what would work? If we looked at this differently, how else could we do this? And it's just that ad hoc coaching question that you throw in that flips a conversation on its head you can, and you can do that in at a water cooler conversation when you're sitting with your staff member and they're suddenly stuck with something or or they're looking. I had a staff member once who actually said to me when I asked them a coaching question, you're my manager, aren't you supposed to just tell me what to do? <laughs> uh, well, you've come to the wrong place, my friend. I could just tell you what to do, but it doesn't build your own capability. So I'm asking you. What would you like to do in this situation? How might we do this? What what would work best for you? Because I want you to be successful. So it's those things that on an, you know, in any conversation, you can be using great coaching tools. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned it earlier, even becoming a better parent. Um, and even when a new client walks in, even for, for sports coaches out there, a new client walks in the door. How can you build rapport? How can you ask great questions early on to really listen to what their needs are so you can service them better? Uh, yeah, and then and then the, on the flip side, it's knowing when to wear what hat, <laughs> as you mentioned earlier, isn't it? Because sometimes people are like, you just keep asking me questions. Why do you keep asking me questions? I, I've also been working, doing some executive coaching with, with a person who all of a sudden overnight sort of changed his approach and everyone was like, what's wrong with you? Who are you? Where's my manager gone? <laughs> and so, you know, being able to, to ease people into, you know, the new style of coaching I think is um, is is fascinating as well. It's it's picking your audience, I guess, too. Um, we talk about building high-performance teams. Have you got an example, a practical example you could give us about uh, either positive or, or otherwise um, around a high-performance team that's something we could learn from? Yeah, so a few years ago I delivered a project for the State Government of Victoria that was around building HR capacity in Aboriginal community-controlled health organisations. Was an, it, it was There are pieces of work that you get to do and it was one of those ones where I learnt 50 times more than I actually um, gave at that, in, that, in that role. 
So all of the community-controlled health organisations, so they're sort of Aboriginal medical centres, much more complex than that, but um, we'll go easy to explain, were all over Victoria and they all had different HR systems and processes and different levels of HR people. Um, and my role was to really do undertake an assessment as to where they were and then to look at how do we build that capacity. And the one thing I realised is that they didn't talk to each other. So everyone's HR person, they didn't actually, there was no community of practice. Um, and so as part of the, the project, we developed a, we, we ran two-day um community of practice networking activities. So some of it was about building HR capacity. I obviously threw a lot of coaching in there, but it was really designed so that you could have people, the HR people talking to each other across the state and being able to share knowledge and experience. And it really had a significant impact on the individuals and on how HR was being utilised in that, that work environment. Some, some identified as Aboriginal, some didn't identify as Aboriginal. There was a real mix. And we were able to leverage off the skills and knowledge of each person to bring it all together. So from a high-performing team perspective, they're the things that that you, you want to be able to do. But So we started with nobody really knew each other uh, through to different people bringing such different perspectives and ideas to things. Mm. Do you have a favourite icebreaker? Uh, <laughs> yes, I half stole it from Natalie. So my favourite question is, um, and it, it, it's getting harder because there's so much on TV, but I, I really love to know about what's the TV show that people watch that they don't tell their friends about. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, it tells you a lot about people. Um, and I have to admit, I've been shocked with some, like in one session someone said they watched hardcore porn, um, which for a HR practitioner, I was like, what? I, I don't know what. And they're like, oh, no, it's about porn shops. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So it can get you into a little bit of trouble. But at, by the end of it, we all know something mm. that they don't tell their friends and we're all mates. So it all works uh, there. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> um, what's your definition of a coaching culture? The nuts and bolts of it is where people are in control and have responsibility for the for their purpose in the organization. So they've they've got accountability, responsibility, they know what they need to be doing, they know where to go if they need to get some help with that, and that managers are building skills, knowledge of their people through their people rather than them being the font of all knowledge. So each person comes to work, they know what they need to do, they're in the right spot, they're doing the right things, um, and they know that they are they are accountable for their piece of work and can deliver that piece of work and that we throw some stretch goals in there and and honestly for me it, it has to be fun <laughs> at the same time so there has got to be people coming to work and if you know with passion um you don't have to love everything all of the time you don't have to like all the people all of the time but if you if you're leaving work every day and it's not fun you're in the wrong spot <laughs> So speaking of retaining great talent, uh, that was a huge topic around last year. Do you still think it's relevant today about 
companies, you know, attracting, retaining and coaching talent in the workplace? And, and how does that relate to, you know, the, the great resignation or the great reevaluation, as I like to call it? What, what are your thoughts on talent and retention? It is going to just get harder at this stage, I think, because lots of people, um, and, you know, myself was one included, reevaluated what they want to be doing, who they want to be working, where, what they want to be working f- towards. Um, the balance between home and work became quite significant. So all of those things equate to wh- why people stay and why people leave. And, and in like with no doubt in my mind, the biggest reason why people leave jobs is because of their managers. So if you if you have a manager who doesn't understand you, you don't get along with, you, you don't like their style, you are more likely to pick up and go than if you're not getting paid as much as the person next door. Like when you look at when you look at those stats, managers are the are what keep people and what drive people away. So if our managers aren't aren't coaching and leading in ways and looking at the different generations and how different generations need to be managed um, and really tapping into people, which I know sounds crazy, but the core of it is a person rocks up, not a machine. So you have to understand that person and what makes them tick and adjust your style based on that and, and really help people through that. What you will be left with is the people who can't leave um, and they're never the people that have the passion and want to drive your business forward. Yeah, innovation, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So um, so uh, I had an email recently where someone said, uh, we're not quite ready for coaching yet. Uh, we just, at the moment, we need to move from buddy to boss. Uh, maybe we'll engage your services in 12 months time. Our leaders just now just need basic communication. How would you, what would be your thoughts on that comment? Uh, Well, I've got lots of questions um, for that comment um, around how are you going to move them from buddy to coach? Um, And in doing so, what type of communication would you like your managers to have um, and and tell me more about this time frame of 12 months because that's a long time in business to not have to not to wait for someone to get to a point where they can be having great conversations with their team members because mm. um, the flip side of that is we can do some coaching with you right now and you your managers can walk out and have already started that transition from from buddy to leader. I'd also like the definition around what this leadership looks like for them because that would also help to understand what are the bits that they really need because communication is like saying how long is a piece of string. Uh, Somebody on my podcast Judy Saber said that coaching is just a higher level of communicating. Sometimes if, if if you're starting from a clean slate and people in your workplace don't know what what coaching is, 
it's a great place to start is, is straight away with coaching skills and, and leader as coach, you know, we, we both passionately believe is, is the way of the future. So speaking of the future, uh, I listened to an amazing podcast that you and Natalie did together uh, the other day talking about the, the trends of this year. Could you share one or two things from that webinar? And I'll also put the link to that webinar in the show notes um, and some of the, the really great stats that you had talking about, you know, what to look out for in 2023. I think the biggest thing to be aware of in 2023 is inflation and the impact on interest rates for housing. Because I think at the core of this, there is a lot of people for whom financial pressure is going to mount. And that financial pressure impacts their mental health which is one of the other key um, components in here is that mental health, we have, we have not hit, as far as I, I can see, the impact of COVID from a mental health perspective. We've got kids going through high school that was different to ev- lots of other years and they're going to grow to be adults. So there's a connection in there somewhere. But people are already, the stress and burnout um, is is high, and in Australia, it's higher than lots of other other um, countries that uh, that are similar to us. And I think adding financial burden to that stress is a is a great impact. So I think they sort of knock in to each other. Is that stress and stress and well being are on two sides, and I think organisations have to look at well being as more than just physical well-being so programs that are just designed around exercise and eating well they're all re- that that's really good and a great place to start but it's about pushing it further into looking at the health of people and i think the changes in legislation around psycho- creating psychologically safe work environments um, is actually something that people are going to have to put a lot of work into and a psychologically safe work environment means it's a place where people feel safe to put their hand up and say I don't know, I'm not sure, that doesn't feel right and to not be persecuted around that and to bring different ideas and to have that feel valued for them. So it's sort of like a melting pot for me, but it starts with that if if we've now added in financial impact, which we know absolutely is being felt and, and inflation is at 7.8%, I think it was, if you're getting a 3% pay increase this year, your wage has gone backwards. So that financial impact then hits organisations. How do we, that, I mean, they're financially impacted because their inflation has gone up, but you have to balance that with how do my people feel um, and what else can we do that's different that, that makes a difference because that leads to do we retain our staff or do they go chase the money? And there are people who will throw money at you so how can you retain the staff? So it's, I, I think it just all fits into that melting pot. Mm, and what comes up for me is even more importance on coaching and placing the person at the centre of mm-hmm. if you're a manager, knowing your people. If you've got 10 in your team, you need to know as best you can by providing that safe environment about their life so that they can feel, you know, like they can thrive within the workplace. Um, that's what I'm hearing it it is the number one thing I tell managers all the time is the better you know your staff the more you are going to notice nuances so if you have a high performer who suddenly is not high performing 
there's something going on. Mm. It could be work or it could be home. And if you can, uh, if you can tap into that and find out what it is and try and work through it with them, you're going to retain that staff member. Mm. If you miss that, that person is going to throw their hands up. In, you know, if it is financial pressures, now you can't always give people the pay rise that they want because organisations have to still function um, and they have to be fiscally responsible and sustainable. But sometimes it's not about a pay rise. Sometimes it's about I can't my if I took my kids out of after school care it would it would change the way um, it, it would mean I wouldn't have to make those payments. Okay, so let's have a look at how can we look at your working situation mm. to adjust that. That means that we can help you with that. I'm not saying that that you can do that on every case. If you customer service and you you're customer facing, that's that's really hard. But there's lots of circumstances where that's not the case. What if it was just two days a week? What if two days a week you could work from home and then, you know, it, you or, so you could pick your kids up from school, and then you can keep working after they've come home. Like there's lots of things that we could be doing. It's way better around that flexibility um, in the workplace. And if you know your staff member and you can see something's different, connect in with that and ask them and find out. And that's how you retain your people. All right. So top tip around hybrid workplace then. Uh, you've got everyone, let's say everyone is working from home. Do you have like a, a good go-to coaching question or, again, another little uh, activity that people can do to help engage staff in a hybrid workplace? It's, hybrid is fascinating because some people really love it and other people really hate it. I'm, I'm in Perth and Open Door is in Melbourne, so we have a similar situation where I'm not, if, if there's a lunch to go to, I miss the lunch, right? <laughs> um, the thing about it is um, I'm okay with missing the lunch because I get to hang out in, um, I'm not wearing any shoes or I'm wearing shorts because you can't see what's below and that makes me really happy. So there's a balance of things that that go with that. The, and I again, it is about connecting in. So how do you create opportunities for the team to be together if they're not always together? How can you make sure that that time is fun and productive, like like without it having to be, it's always a very serious meeting about those sorts of things. And it is a really fine balance. Um, I've had lots of, of senior leaders say to me, oh, they don't like people working from home because they don't get as much work done and you can't trust what they're doing. You have to actually get over that step and go, what are our regular check-ins so that we know that everything is being done effectively um, and making sure that there is that flexibility around that. If you've got hybrid working, just make sure that whenever there is an opportunity to be faced, if you are in this office with your people, make sure you go and see your people so that that, that connection happens. If you're online, make sure you can make those the times that you get together really fun um, and, you know, it doesn't have to be outrageously fun. It could just be, you know, icebreakers that you use so that you know what what's going on or it, it's about creating an environment where people will be okay to speak up and if your dog barks in the background, make a joke about it, don't have a go because your dog's barking in the background. That's me, by the way. My dog always does that. Um <laughs> So the tip is is that you can be you can have just a closer connection if you take the time. So make sure you have a coffee chat with someone. 
just set a Zoom meeting for or a Teams meeting for 15 minutes. Everyone brings their coffee and you have a chat about it. Mm, yep. Even types of coffee as we love them in Australia, as you know. <laughs> Correct. What what type of coffee are you and what does it say about you? Yeah, exactly. I love us. I, I was waiting for it. All right. As we round off this episode, uh, what are your top three coaching tips or go-to tools or what, mm. what do you live and breathe? Uh, I live and breathe really thinking about great questions. For me, the questions are the key and really focusing on the person. It's actually all about them. As a coach, it's actually not about you. You've got to be good at what you do, but it is all about that person. So how can you create a great environment so that person can really answer the questions in their best in that's best for them? Mm, and almost feel like it's a spotlight on on them for that time that you're with them yeah. that they you know they they are the lead the lead star in the movie of their of their life yep if you've got kids honestly start those coaching questions the minute they're born that was my philosophy um you're not always going to get it right and your kids are very quick to tell you when you didn't but um that ability to really so when your kids come home from school my kids yada 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 when they come home because they know that from the very beginning, if they didn't, I would ask them enough questions that we would get to that <laughs> in the end. So, um, and I ask questions like, what was the best part of your day? Not what happened in your day, because I'll tell you nothing. And I asked my niece the other day, what was one thing that you learned today that you just didn't know yesterday? And she said, nothing. And then she thought about it and she said, oh, no, we do a different cursive at my new school that I didn't know that we did. And that's the goal right there. Mm, absolutely. Well, from parenting advice to to inflation and uh, rapport building, excellent listening, and uh, thank you for your passion and the energy that you bring to Open Door Coaching. Thank you for being a part of the team and uh, really leading the way in everything you do as a HR nerd, uh, as you said. All right. Thank you so much, Paula Jones-Hunt, for being on the coaching podcast. Thanks for having me, Emma. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a coach and thanks for listening.